Saying low, Apple Music. Thanks for joining me once again for another conversation. This is the interview series, and I've really lost count how many times I've been on the record and off with this gentleman right here. We met very early on in the United Kingdom when he was making his way out of playing what has been well-documented, a really long run of shows to no one and a very free space to be able to create, collaborate, build his friendship circle, the kind of people who would support him throughout his entire journey before he became Ed Sheeran, the global superstar, with the debut album that came out and smashed all expectations, and he hasn't stopped since then. He stayed with the theme of arithmetic, but he's evolved over time. You know, gotten married, become a father, had enormous highs, and as of very recently, also experienced the kind of lows that only life can throw at you. The loss of a good friend, the foundational tremor of knowing that someone you care about is going to go through a health scare. Uh, These are real-life situations that everybody goes through, whether you're Ed Sheeran or not. It's just, how do you process them? Well, if you're Ed Sheeran, you go to an instrument, and you find the words and the emotion, and you construct music out of it. That's what this new album is. It's lacking the tempo, the fun, the perfect pop song infrastructure that his previous albums have provided. But what it makes up for is some of the most in-depth, personal, and beautiful songwriting that we've heard from Ed Sheeran ever. This is an album start to finish, very personal very transparent and the conversation reflects that taking place in a hotel overlooking manhattan in new york city it seemed like an anonymous environment to have a personal conversation and it happens right here on the interview series it's my latest conversation with ed sharon it's funny you asked me whether i'd live here would you yeah i would i mean i wouldn't like i wouldn't settle here forever just because i'm i'm english and Mm. there's just cultural differences that i want my kids to grow up, you know, like mm. pub culture in England. I love. There's not really a pub culture. I miss here, it, you know? man. Yeah. Living in LA now, I miss that. Yeah, just and that idea of going to the corner and just seeing people you know and people you don't. Well, people do it here with coffee, um, yeah. and there's, yeah. If you go to a bar here, you're getting fucked up. Like if you go to a pub in England, you might have one pint with your friends, catch up, and yeah. then go home. It's just a different culture. Do you feel anonymous here? Can you walk around here? Is this, they say in New York, it kind of swallows up any notoriety you may have, and you can sort of, it's a good place to disappear. Uh, no, not yet, not yet. But I, I think that comes with age. I think there'll, there'll be a point where, I don't know, I'm feeling it shift. There's definitely, like, even at shows, like, it's less fanatical and screamy. It's more like, mm. we're gonna listen. Um, but I think that comes with age as well. You know, my fans who were 13 a decade ago are now like... Slightly more mature response. Well, they're just, yeah, it's different. It's I different. was talking to Jay-Z about this no, years I, ago. I wouldn't say it's an immature response, by the way. I'm just saying it's a, like... Oh, it I don't goes think it's a bad the... thing. I think immaturity and music are, is a beautiful marriage. I think the idea of being irrationally excited by something is it, what inspires you. Excitement, yeah. You know? yeah. But I think that just changes with, uh, with age. Sorry to um, cut you off there. No, for sure. I was just saying, I spoke to Jay-Z about this years ago. It was, it was kind of a pretty pivotal conversation back in about, I think it was 2012, and we were talking about, um, it was the Magna Carta era, mm. and we were talking about the combination of um, fame and and just the quality of the work and and how do you keep doing the work without being swallowed up by the thrash that comes from from all that attention right and it was really interesting the way he was describing it It was the first time anyone had really put it in words that there, there is some control that you can exercise over that you do have some say over the narrative even when it feels out of control do you agree with that yeah and I think that comes with time and age as well um, I think it's just a, I think it's about remembering why you do it and Mm. knowing that like, and I've been, you know, someone who has made mistakes and like 
might might have released the wrong thing here or might have uh, listened to this opinion here or whatever, but at the heart of it all, I write songs because I like writing songs and I release songs because I'm proud of them and, mm. and I like it. You know, mm. I'm like, this is a song that, that I like. So I, th I think as long as you can remember that and stand by your work, however it's received, you know, mm. like uh, Bad Habits has now become a hit for me and I get to play it live, but the reception of it was really negative when I put it out. People were just like, oh God. Why no, was no. it though? I think because it's dance music and it's a different thing and I'm an acoustic singer-songwriter, you know, it's a, it's a different, it's a different thing, but I, I stand by it because I love it and I loved the feeling of creating oh, it. Oh, fucking in, banger! But creating it in the studio was exciting and yeah. I was excited for people to hear it. So when it came out and there was like a lukewarm, if you could call it that, reaction, I was like, I believe in this, I like it, I think it will do well. Mm. And it, it took a bit of time and this is the thing I, I say to people now um, when they because no one believes me. No, everyone's like, no, it came out and it was, it was, it was a very lukewarm reaction. Yeah. And it wasn't a great day one streams. It wasn't a great week one streams. It wasn't yeah. a great month one streams. But it just, I think if you can stand by something and you believe in it, uh, I think that's enough for your career. And everything that I've made up to this point, I can look back on and be like, I like that. I like that. And I think that's actually all that matters as an artist is, and this is why sometimes artists don't play the hits when they play live. They're like, oh, I don't want to play that song anymore. And I think it's because they never liked it in the first, the first place. Wow. You know? I want to add something to that though, because I don't disagree with you. I know that there are definitely situations where artists... I don't want to speak for artists or what they feel though, but I'm just, what I'm, I've been sometimes, not pressured, but mm. sometimes a record label will listen to a batch of songs and be like, that's the one. This is the one, and, and it happened with Shape of You, and I will admit that I was wrong there, and... So you didn't want to get behind that song? The, the no, because I kind of, Divide was a different album in my mind. I wanted to go with Castle on the Hill first, and then into Perfect, mm. and mm. Um, they were like, have to go with this, and we reached a compromise where we put out Castle on the Hill. Yeah, you put it both at the same time. Do you, are you any closer to figuring out at that moment in time, because I feel like that was absolute peak pop star launch pad into space yeah. moment. What was holding you back what was there a fear somewhere deep in there about that song no i just thought kind of thought it was um cookie cutter and lazy it was so easy mm. i was just like this is the type of music that people are listening to at the moment and i'm going to write this for this artist for them to sing mm. and in my mind i was like i've worked so hard on making divide what it is and crafting it that putting on like a we wrote five songs that day. We wrote 25 songs that week, you know, mm -hmm. me and Steve and Johnny, just writing. Yeah. And for me, it was just a throwaway pop song that I'd written. And I now realize that I was wrong, obviously. But yeah, it just took some convincing. It was it's such an interesting di dynamic that you have with, with songs like that, though. And it's going to lead really nicely, I think, into this new album, which is beautiful. Thank you. And heavy. Yeah. And deep. <laughs> yeah. But I can imagine that the relationship you have with a song like Shape of You is interesting because it gets billions of streams, mm. hundreds of millions of people listen to that song. Um, but to some degree, it sort of plays into that whole misconception of you as someone who works in a factory, has a gift, can just churn out song after song at a high level and move on. And I know that's not who you are. Yeah. And you know that's not who you are. But a song like Shape of You kind I, of does perpetrate that a bit. By the way, degree. I don't actually care if people think that mm. about me anymore, just because I think I've realized over the years that that is harder to do than 
Like, Subtract is my bread and butter. This is the shit that I grew up on. I've always been a singer-songwriter with an acoustic mm. guitar. And it's so easy for me to go in and write acoustic singer-songwriter music. Learning how to write pop songs is a skill. And you can talk to Fred about this, and you talk to Steve Mack, or like whoever Taylor would be a great person to talk, talk to about. It's, um, it, yeah, it took longer for me to learn how to write a song like Shape of You than it did for me to learn how to write Boat, which is the first song on the, the album. And I think it's, mm. uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, there's like a weird energy around pop music where it's seen as this throwaway thing. And I think it's because it's not got the connection to heart. It's just fun, you know? And this is what, uh, I was talking to Julie Greenwald about this yesterday, mm. about, about Eyes Closed, and she's like, Bad Habits is a song that people can get ready to and go out and dance to, and you have it on in the gym and you have this, whereas Eyes Closed is not that type of song. It's a different song that fits in a, a different world, but it's more connected to heart. But as an artist, I think it's important to have a wide spectrum of those things. So I don't think in 200 years time, I'm going to get remembered for Shape of You. So what do you feel when you finish Shape of You versus what you feel when you finish, say, Eyes Closed? Well, I feel like heavy emotion on Eyes Closed and uh, connectivity and sadness and uh, raw. You know, I could, first time I played that song live, I cried midway through it and had to stop. Like, that for me is what is really lovely about songwriting. This is the same with grief, is your, my days grieving for Jamal were not like, all just crying and dark and sad. You know, I flew over to Miami halfway through uh, the first month and shot five videos with Jay Balvin. And yeah. we, you know, you have like, life has shades to it. Yeah, yeah. And, but if I just made subtract every single time, your career is sort of that. And it's, for me, that isn't interesting. It's about having a wide spectrum of things, being able to play a show and being like, this is perfect. And people connect for that moment. And then you play a sh the next song and it might be Bad Habits and people connect to that in a different way. And I think that that's, a, that's for me, more interesting to see an artist w with many levels It's a of beautiful arc, but it's, yeah. it's only kind of a beautiful arc. And this may be a bold thing to suggest. It's only a beautiful arc because you've made Subtract. Yeah. I think if it had just kept going like that, eventually it would arc on its own. Well, it's unsustainable. And I think yeah. to some respect, it did start doing that. I think I felt that around the collaborations project. You know, I'd done plus and then multiply and divide mm. and collaborations project was just literally me having fun, writing whatever the fuck I wanted and whether it be pop or whether it be this or, 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 or whether it be that and then, and then putting it out. But I think that my fans have always had a different connection to my records and collaborations project wasn't necessarily me being personal. It was me writing songs that I thought were fun. That is definitely the point I felt that it, career was going this, 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 and then maybe it, that was where it plateaued a little bit. It's kind of the time to just be like, okay, I'm gonna sort of make, get back to what I did originally. Yeah, because I've done with life lived. That's the difference. Well, that's that's the thing as well. Like I always wanted to be a singer songwriter like Damien Rice, but you can't write O when you're 19. You know, I was 17 when There's I made. There's just some Plus. things you can't tap into yeah. because the, the the well's not full. You know, and I think. But also, I didn't want to. I feel doing the thing that I know that I can do is boring to me. You know, it's and it doesn't feel like that now. And I think it's because I did it through Aaron, and it felt different. Yeah, because I wondered about that. The whole thing with Aaron, right? Let's just jump ahead to that for a second because the whole approach of you taking his music pretty much fully formed mm. and just choosing to apply words, melody, and emotion to these songs. 
I can imagine for for the first time in a long time, it kind of felt like you could actually step outside of yourself, or at least your process, long enough to just focus yeah. on one thing. Well, I wasn't worried about, like when I wrote Bad Habits, I did it with Fred and Johnny, and we spent a good like four hours on the first verse trying to get the perfect four lines. Because we were like, no pre, four lines for the verse. And with that song, it's like, you, you hone down the best bass line, you hone down the best drums, you hone down the best uh, riff, and then you make sure that the lyrics and melody are on point. Mm. Whereas with Subtract, I didn't, I didn't think anything. I just, like, the first thing that came out, I wrote down, and then I moved on, and moved on to the next one. Well, so what's and the then, longest amount of time you spend on a song, you think? Dude, subject. Aaron Aaron will tell you this, but he sent me seven instrumentals one day and I sent them all back in two and a half hours and we have all the timestamps on it. So it was like, and it's songs like Sycamore, which is one of my favorite Stunning songs. Stunning and heartbreaking and, te- and really like, really taps into that fear of the unknown when all you want to do is control for the people you love. Totally. That's what I find really uncomfortable about the release of the album is I have no idea. It's foreign territory for me, just not, I usually, even with Plus or Multiply, it's like you write for three years and you pick the best songs and then that's the album. Whereas this one I wrote for a month and all of those songs are coming out. Like the, there's a bonus uh, of the album with, with eight songs and that's all that I wrote in that time and it's coming out. And mm. it's not even necessarily a risk because it is what my fans originally liked me for, which was singer-songwriter stuff. It's not taking a risk, but for me, it's the unknown of not having a shivers to fall back on or over, you know, that each of my albums, I've always been like, well, I know I've got this and I know I've got this and I know I've got yeah, this. But it's, a, but it's just a different mood and a different feel and a different, you know, you're approaching life in a different way, mm. still through the lens of writing songs. If you had put Boat Out yeah. as the first song and not Eyes Closed. There was conversation about that, actually. Yeah, if you'd done that, to me, that would have been as impactful and important as a fan of your music as the beautiful combination of pop music and emotion, which is totally. what Eyes Closed is. I, I, I really think this album, I think you could close your eyes and point at something and it will represent this whole body of work really beautifully. I just want ears on it though, man. And I like, I know that there's a game to be played sometimes and like no one listens to Perfect if Shape of You hadn't come first. Do you know what I mean? Like there has to, there's something that, there's a game Don't where- Do you think you've done enough to be able to make no, a body of work still... and not play the game that way? I just don't think it works like that. How, how many million people did you play on to on your last stadium tour? How many million people would you play to on this stadium tour? Because it's your biggest one. But then all of those people have come to the show. Do you know the number though? By, out of, out by 8.9 on the last one. 8.9 million people. So yeah. the only reason I ask that is not to try to put smack dab in the middle of, of arithmetic. I just wonder at what point you're able to recognize that that, that that equates to something tangible that allows you to do what you want to do and not have to continually But it is what I game. wanted, like, I, I made Eyes closed because I like it, and it, fair, and, it fair, and, fair, fair. and it's on the album. I haven't, fair. I haven't. No, I worded that, that incorrectly, but I think I, I think you know where I'm getting at. It's I like, do, I do know what you're guessing at, but I know that Eyes Closed is more palatable as a record on the wider sure. scale of things on radio and sure. on TV and blah blah blah. And by doing that, and by the way, the, the, uh, this isn't like I, I say there's a game to be played. The game isn't me putting Eyes Closed on the record. The game is recognizing that Eyes Closed would have a wider reach, yeah. therefore people would listen to that, go, there's an album coming out, Get I like on this, it. and then, and then go and, and listen to it. I think it would be a mistake if the reason that you do something and put it to radio 
and you don't, this is what I'm saying, you have to like believe in something. Yeah, and, yeah. And like, if it's on the record, I believe in it. Every artist does it, there, there's always the song that is gonna get the most This is the formula the that people get, get obsessed about, but at the end of the day, and this is the fundamental truth, it's your fucking music. You could do whatever you want and put out whatever you want. But and, I wanted to put out Eyes Closed It's first. working for you. Yeah. yeah. And it's I an incredible song. It's a really deep, emotional song. I actually think it's, um, you talk about being a puzzle piece. I think it's a magic act. Mm. And you do a great job of hiding the emotion in that on first listen. It's only when you dive into it a little deeper I never, you realize. I, this is the thing with it. Like, I feel like doing interviews and stuff like that about this record, like, it's great to give context to the songs. Like, I sent this record to the record label and they were like, is it a breakup album? And huh. and it's not. It's an album about grief, grief and, and depression and stuff. And yeah. like, and I feel that I don't want to give too much context and hammer home because I don't want people listening to Eyes Closed and be like, this is about Ed's friend that died. I want people to listen to it and relate it to their, their, their own life. Like, no one in the world who likes my music listens to Perfect and goes, oh, that's about Ed's wife, Cherry, and he wrote that. Yeah, but they, that's what I'm saying. I never to listened their... to it, and I, I didn't make the direct connection to your personal experience. Mm. That is the, that's what you do. You do present these songs to people. They do become ours. Yeah. But I think what's unique about Subtract is that you're willing to own the narrative more this time. You are willing to say, you know, I did the work. I'm doing the work. Mm. And it's been a rough ride. You've never done that before. We've squeezed that information out of you before about songs like Perfect. But, but I no feel like one... you know, you're open. I think the reason, like, I've always had ups and downs and struggles and I've felt, like, ever since I was, like, a young kid have had, like, real, real, real lows and it's whatever it is, it's chemical imbalance or, like, something to do with genes, with, fa like, I have lots of family members that the same, the same thing. Um, but I've never spoken about it because, you know, I put it in, you can listen across my albums, it's there, but I hate the idea of it being, like, sad pop star, like, because no one wants to hear that. No one's like, no one wants to hear someone that has had success in their field who, from the outside looking in, everything's great. No one wants to hear someone go, well, actually, it's not. Yeah, don't you, you realise that we're the ones that make you successful? We are the ones who buy your records and stream your records and buy your tickets. We are the ones who ultimately put you on that pedestal. You, never, you can't put yourself up on that. You don't yeah. have the tools. No human being does. We're the ones who tell Tom York, you're Tom York. Yeah. And then he decides how much of himself he's willing to totally. let go on and off the record. And I think that that's really, I, I just, I this think what I do about success being like the, the sort of the circuit breaker for, for honesty in the arts fucks me off. Yeah. I think the reason why I was sort of more open about it this time is it's not like people... I mean, this is why I sort of started um, therapy because you, you know, I, I live a very, very privileged life. Um, I've made money over the years and I have all these things. And whenever I would say to my friends last year, mm. this is happening, they would always point out all the, the good things in my life. And, that, and that's great, but you, money doesn't buy back your friend who's died. Like it just doesn't, and it doesn't make it better. It's like Steve Jobs was the richest guy on earth and he died from cancer. You can't like, you can't just, mm. you can't, it doesn't just, fix things um, and I, I hate talking about it because everyone goes, well, it does actually, you know, it does this, this and this, but there's just certain things it doesn't. And that's like, I got super low when my friend died and like mm. it, you can't, you can't do anything a, a, about it, you know? Think about realizing that there's work to be done aside mm. from the work that you do. 
you know, the songs and yeah. the touring and everything else that you've got to go internally. Well, I think I think that's mostly the the work being done is like I've never really cared about my well-being being or my health because it's been I'm like I remember being younger and just I just didn't care. I just didn't like whatever happened to me happened. But I think having kids, you're like, you know, I'm, I, if if I'm having really really low periods of my life. It's affecting my children, like, and that and that does matter, and that does. So that was, you know, Cherry was saying, I think you should see a therapist because obviously we have to find a way to to process the experience, and so much of what we do in life is dist- distract ourselves from mm. that with money, or the, at least the, the 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 strive to achieve. All the things we put in our hands, all the things we see with us, all the conversations we get obsessed with. But that's, do you know, that's mm-hmm. what, I mean, it's a, it's a very charged conversation talking about money and sadness around it. But I do think that that is the, the crux of the problem is that everyone works and works and works because they go, if I get there, yeah, yeah, yeah. I will feel happier about myself. And then they get there and they're like, oh. <laughs> Because it's such a charged conversation, you can't yeah. uh, say it. Because people go, well, I would love to be in your position. But so I totally get that and understand that as well. But I'm just, as I said, like they're just certain things that it doesn't fix, you know. Dude, and, what, can you imagine if you'd been through what you've been through, which is everyone goes through loss in their life, everyone grieves. These are fundamental facts. If you're lucky enough to be around long enough, mm where life catches up to you, which is a gift in itself, then you will experience these things. Can you imagine if you ignored them out of fear because you were worried what people would think? I mean, we wouldn't have this album and this album is needed. Thanks, man. Um, it's not really yeah, a question. The, uh, <laughs> the, the ignoring thing is like, like grief, like I, I played a show yesterday and uh, I went to a bar afterwards and some of my fans from the show had like ended up in the bar and I was, I was talking to them and they were like, it's weird, like grief is this like really solitary thing that you are expected to grieve for mm. X amount of time and then get back to normal life and forget about it and it never, it never happened. Like, why are you still sad 10 years on? Like, and they were saying it's like having a record about it sort of like justifies the living with it. You know, your life can fit around grief. You don't have to, you don't have to get over anything. Like I, I will never, ever, ever get over Jamal dying at 31. And I don't want to, I don't feel like I have to. I feel like if I want to cry, I can cry. And I feel like, yeah, it's, but someone sent me a picture of a bookshelf with grief on it and it's a day one of grief and it's a book saying grief and it's day 2078 of grief. And it's just a full bookshelf, but the book is still there and life just fits around it. And I think that it's all right to, you know, my my mum went through a massive loss when she was like 28, 29 and, you know, almost 30, 30 and a bit years on, she still cries about it. And that's like, because it matters and you can't just get over things. Like it's not, it's not like, you can get over relationships, you know, you can, that's, that's fine, that's part of life. You like move from one thing to the other or, or, or whatever. But loss and grief is just, especially when it's like sudden and, no, but even when it's not sudden, when you're like. Yeah, I'm going through, I'm grieving my mum right now. It is not sudden, dude. No. It's painful and, and really, it's just fucking cruel. Yeah. I don't know how you relate to this, but the inevitable pain that you know is is on the horizon somewhere. Mm. It doesn't work for people like me because it's like 
I need to control things. I need to protect my family. I need to protect the people around me. And you, you and you, I know you're going to be the same as me as well. You're so so good at controlling things, and everything's planned. Because it has to be. So your life's planned. I think I am, but it's a fucking illusion, you know. And then something will come and just fucking gut punch you and show you that life is really unpredictable. You cannot control anything. You can't. You you can't control stuff. You can, in the short term. You know, I, f I found this when Jamal passed away. Like, I'm, I'm very much someone who's just like, on hand, I'm there, I'm like, going to the house, I'm making cups of tea, I'm buying bottles of Hennessy, and we're doing like, we're, we're, yeah, we're yeah. there, but it, it's not doing anything. I can anything. fix it, whatever it is, it's, I can fix and it. And it's not doing anything, you know? I start, it's somehow making me feel like I'm helping in, in some way, but it's not actually doing anything. And uh, it's sort of trying to fill a void that will never be filled. Man, the F64 was powerful yeah. in every way. I feel really sad about that song because I feel like no one really paid attention to it. It just sort of came out. Well, they should. It's, it's one of the most remarkable exercises in grieving through art I've witnessed in my life. Yeah. And uh, it was beautifully directed and the whole thing was incredibly honest and really powerful and moving. And there's a lot wrapped up in it. Things really jumped out to me. And I, I want to bring a couple of things up out of tribute. Mm. Because I didn't know Jamal anywhere near as well as, as you or his friends, but the few times I bumped into him, man. He's just the best. He's, he's the best. You speak, speak the truth. He was just really, he was really forthcoming and, really sh and he was really gracious. And, and, and that's given. the thing I want to like, he, everyone, that's what, what I was sort of saying in the uh, song is like everyone remembers him the way that the media are telling you to remember him. Like, he was a mogul and he set up SBTV and he was worth this and he was worth that. But he was just a really great lovely, funny bloke, yeah. and that's part of him, but what, who he was as a person was like, I'm gonna get really fucking upset, man, I'm sorry. Oh, fucking hell, I, I, I really don't like the, I feel like I never cry, and all of the like, interviews, I seem to be crying, and it's, it's just gonna be like. It's funny though, when you say you never cry, like, Ever since he's passed away, I cry like every day. Dude, I came into my hotel last night. This is a much smaller little example to give you an idea. And the last time I was here, I was with my family. I had the best week ever. Memories I'll just always remember. And I walked into the hotel last night, I was on my own. My family weren't here and we used to stay in this place. I just burst into tears. Mm. I just burst into tears because it was like this weird thing of like, all those memories came flooding in. Much, you know, and it's so, it just, when it hits you, it hits you. And I've just learned to get out of the way of it. I like that I still feel this way. I think this is the most respectful way to feel about someone that you've lost is actually allow yourself to feel, you know, rather than just bury it down. I hate it. And I, do you know, I, I hate the, I don't want this to turn into some like, you know, Ed cries every time that he talks about this album or whatever, but like it, it, this is like, it's my actual, it's real fucking life. This is stuff that... It's on the record, man. Yeah. It's on the record. It's all throughout it. But it's not like, mu music isn't a fabrication. Like music is like what you're going through at that, at that time. And it might be shivers. You know, you might feel happy and write a love song that people can dance to, but like, it is just, it is actual life. You know, it's actual emotions. And I don't know, I've always been such a like, I'm an entertainer, so I've always been like, I'm a pop star and I will do the photo shoot and I'll make the music video and stuff like that. And all of my own personal troubles or struggles or whatever the fuck I've felt, I just keep it private. And, you know, I talk to my friends about it, my family or like, but it's not something I ever feel like sharing. But I think the, the 
crux of this record is so intertwined with my actual emotions now, 14 months ago, six months ago, that it feels like you have to kind of show that it means something, you know? On the first song, there's a line, you're all gonna hear it. They say that wounds heal, but I know maybe I won't. The waves won't break my boat. Break yes, my boat. They, they say that all scars will Thank uh, you. heal, but I know maybe I won't. But the waves won't break my boat. So much wrapped up in that, man. It's like you know, we we love to support each other, especially the people closest to us, and the, and we have these these adages, these phrases that come in books and are shared through generation after generation, which is all scars will heal, being one of them. It's like that is being said all around the world right now. Yeah. That's something that just gets said, right? When people are in pain, it's a way to feel like, to your point, we can fix this. I'm going to run, rush around to my friend's mother's house several hours after the fact, yeah. the tragic fact, and I'm going to do what I can. This is another fixing mechanism, right? Yeah. It's just not that simple, but you have resolve. I just feel that, I, f I find this a lot when my, my friends are going through things, like everyone you ever speak to, and I'm mm. sure you, you speak to people a lot about like personal issues that they go through. Every time you speak to them, they go, I'm doing so much better now. I'm mm. like, I used to be that, I'm doing this, I'm doing so much better. And I don't, I don't believe them, because I don't think anyone, I don't think anyone at any point is just fixed. It's not that simple. You're just, it's constantly, uh, it's the same thing with like depression. Like depression isn't like a, it's not a switch that you can just go, and uh, now I feel fine. It's just something that is constantly there and it's either here or it's here yep. or it's here yep. or it's here. And it's just, the, the, the boat is about resilience of like, I know that I'm never gonna be all right, but whatever waves come, like I'm gonna remain floating. And like, it's, it's basically like all, they say all scars will heal, but I know maybe I won't. And I'm, mm. this is what I'm saying with like the Jamal thing, like I'm never gonna feel okay about that, but that's not gonna stop me from like, having fun and going out and spending time with friends and like I'm not going to feel guilty if I'm having a nice time and stuff that's like life is life is for living it's part of the fabric of your experience totally now, man. totally and yeah. it's just all about taking things as as they come one of the like things that I realized most in making this record and feeling the way I felt throughout like Cherry's like cancer diagnosis and fucking Jamal dying in the court case and then Shane, Shane dying first day of the court case. Like just all of these things, like the, those days were horrible days. And then it gets to midnight and then the next day begins and that's either gonna be another bad day or it might be a good day. And it's just always like knowing if I get to midnight or if I get to midnight on New Year's Eve 2022. No strings. Exactly, you know? If we make it through this year, nothing will break us. And I remember sitting with Cherry at New Year's, um, going into 2023 and being like, I feel good about this. And, you know, no, no year is gonna be without its struggles and, and, and challenges, but yeah. Did the court case change the way that you approach songwriting, even subliminally? You must hear things. Totally. And go, that sounds a little bit like this. Totally, so it a bit yeah, like yeah, that. all the time. All the time. Do you, do you ever consider litigation, or what's your what's your feeling on that? Now that you've been on the receiving end of that, I would just never do it. I just never do it. I feel like if people felt that they had, they would come to me. And I've I've cleared songs for people that yeah. have come. There was a Rod Wave song where he used a, yeah. um, a sample of my song "You and I," and he came to me and he cleared it. And like that's like a yeah. The thing with these cases it's not usually songwriters that are suing songwriters i mean sometimes it is but mm. like it's not like i feel like in the songwriting community everyone sort of knows that 
like, there's four chords primarily that are used and there's eight notes and we work with what we've got with like d doing that. So um, like I've even gone to artists to clear songs. I had a song that I wrote for Keith Urban mm. and uh, it sort of sounded like a Coldplay song. So I emailed Chris Martin and I said, this sounds like your tune, um, can we clear it? And he went, don't be ridiculous, no. And I, on the song I made sure they put like, this is what I think it sounds like Everglow uh, Coldplay, but he was just like, nah, like, I know how songs are written and I know you didn't go into the studio and go, I want to write this, you know. I want to talk uh, about songs for a minute because this is a whole album full of incredible songs. And um, we talked about the idea, uh, the idea of you now, mm. the shape of you, Ed, <laughs> you know, yeah. the, um, those big pop songs. That's, by the way, that's only the idea that people that don't like my music have, and I'm not going to win them over. With... No, but I mean, a bit, a bit of the stadium has to be, a stadium show is a big idea. Totally. Like you're, you're in the ideas business too. It's like, I've got to reach as many people as I can at this point totally. in my life. And so big, big songs, big ideas, the ideas get bigger. Yeah. So let's take it down to like the real core value of why we're here, which is songwriter. You're a songwriter, an exceptional songwriter. Thank you. Right? And I think about those early days when you were just kind of treading the boards and having a bit of success, the first album, you know, you used to tell me stories and I, I, hopefully you're at a point now where you feel comfortable kind of sharing a few of them where it was a beautiful time for a generation of songwriters, yourself, Taylor, Foy. There was a bunch of people that, and sometimes you'd find yourself in new cities. Like, wasn't there a time you guys sat on a jetty and just wrote for the fuck of it? Yeah. Like, like we used to actually, when I lived in Los Angeles, I'm sure Taylor won't mind me saying this story, but we used to have like jam nights at my house and I would be like, I remember one night, it was me, Foy, Gavin DeGraw, mm. Ellie Golding, Taylor, and we just had a guitar and we just passed it around playing songs. And like that was, I really miss doing that, you know, like just songwriters just hanging out and playing tunes. You sort of get to a point in your career where you've had success and you're more guarded and you stay, I, I spend most of my time with my family now, but like I, I do miss like the sporadic fuck it nights, you know, let's just, let's just do this. Yeah, and also just to feel like you're part of a community, especially when the world starts to get louder and louder and thrashier and thrashier to know you can boil it down to one room. Yeah, I think this is why I relate, like, I, I, t I have long, long, long conversations with um, Taylor about stuff just because I feel like she's one of the only people that actually truly understands where I'm at because she's solo artist, she's stadiums she's doing yeah similar trajectory too both of you coming out of a core craft a dedication to the craft realizing that there was more that you could achieve in lots of different ways shape shifting is an important part of art totally let me go change my shape i'll change my shape we'll just keep well, changing and, and changing. to have a career you have to you have to keep doing something that's you've got a little to explore bit you yeah. have to be an adventurer that's the whole point and then to find yourself both of you back at long pond she was the um inspiration for it. She's, she hooked me up with Aaron to work on uh, Red Taylor's version, to work on Run and um, everything has changed. And then she said, I'm, I'm always like, not guarded, but I kind of would like keep my distance if there would be like a collaborator that she'd be working with closely just because that's her thing. And I don't want to be like, well, that's I'm cool. gonna do that too. But she was like- She invited you. She said, I think it'd be really important for you as an artist yeah. to do what I did and work with Aaron. Yeah. Because it, this is what it did for me. And I think you and Aaron should work together. So yeah, that yeah. sort of opened the door to it. And I am incredibly grateful. I'm making some of the like most meaningful music uh, to me that I've made in a very long time. And I was just very like wary about 
treading on toe. I didn't want to just be like, okay, now Taylor's done ever more. That's real friendship. That's cool. It's real friendship. I mean, you know, it's church and state, man. Realizing that you know you've got a relationship with someone that's more important. Well, than just and we kind can of- be we can be open with each other about that sort of stuff as well. You know, I had like a hour twenty conversation with her yesterday, and we were just everything that was on our minds we we talked about and it's it's yeah. not it's it, i mean that that in itself is kind of therapy as well because you're actually talking to someone that genuinely gets it oh yeah has, she's a has real all one. the all the things that you feel and have insecurities about and how other people treat you or how your family treat you or how your friends treat you like she's just basically in the same sphere and there's lots of i i have i have a similar similar sort of um friendship with stormzy where mm. You know, I know what he's going through, and we can talk about it. And you know, his friends necessarily would be my, like my friends who would kind of say the same things. So. Well, to me, the difference being is that Taylor, what Taylor is to you, you are to him to some degree, right? And it's this beautiful thing of like just paying it forward and making sure that the people who are artists that need to be protected to some degree from all of the noise and the craziness. And this has been my kind of narrative through these conversations for a long time now, like mm. five years. I've been sort of trying to figure out a way to put more light on the fragility of the artistic spirit. Mm. Um, I know that statement in itself probably makes some people roll their eyes like, oh, get over your sh- yourself, bro, it's just music. But it's not, it comes from somewhere very real. And We all make music because we like making music, um, but if we didn't care, we wouldn't release it. That's that's what what, what I yeah. Well, say there's a difference we, between liking and needing. I think you li- you can like making music. I like making music, but um, at the moment I'm not putting anything out because I don't I'm not I don't feel the need. Right? You need to let this go. That's why it's so emotional. I think for you to talk Dude, about. When it. I I finished the show yesterday and we all all the musicians came up, put arms around, and I just burst into tears. Like I was just there was such like emotional release of like that's it's now in the world and I can like move on from it. And yeah, as. It is real emotion, it is, it is real life. And I think that you're right that artists do have a need to write songs, but the, the need to release is only there because we want people to listen to it. Yeah, it's that's what I mean, like, it's a beautiful trade. But I think yeah. sometimes we as a world, we get, I don't get hung up on it, but we, we overwhelm. Mm. We can be an overwhelming experience totally. with the best of intentions. And I think it's just important that we recognize that real people make these things. Yeah. Well, and that like that's why this album's so important, bro. That's why you've got to really sit and talk about it because otherwise you'd just be hiding behind the veneer man. of Ed Sheeran again. And it's like, what are you gonna hide for? What are you gonna hide for? Because I don't want to fucking cry on camera and have strangers and that's not watch my intention. me on. My I know, t- no, I know, but you know. like, but the reason I haven't really done it before is like I barely cry to my wife. Like, it, like this last year has obviously been, but she's she's also seen like me show real emotion over this last year but like I don't I feel uncomfortable it being a YouTube video and a bunch of strangers are going to watch me feel something about my friend that's died like I that's I know it's important for people to understand that to hear the record but it's just not something I've ever wanted to do before do you think she's relieved that you're (laughs) you're getting there (laughs) yeah I think so I think so I think it's I think it's good for you know I have two daughters man and I think it's just good for that, that's that's the other thing that's. I don't, I don't know if you've listened to the the song Dusty on the the record. Dude, are you like, kidding? I fucking love that song because I love that album and I love that whole routine. I'm the same. I get up in the Wake morning. Up in the morning, yeah. I, I find a record. I put the needle on it. It's on my TikTok. I do this shit. I, I share it with people. Like, but, what am I putting? What am I listening to? But that's the 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 thing about grieving or even like anxiety about like Cherry's health or like feeling depressed and stuff like that. Like, none of that matters with your kids because they're just like you know I would go to bed crying 
I cry myself to sleep after spending hours and hours at Jamal's mural and I get in at two and I just remember just sobbing and then waking up in the morning at six to your daughter being like, hey, let's eat porridge, let's listen to me, you know, I, like it's... I'm it, not, I'm just, yeah, I'm not, I'm not trying to, please understand, I'm not trying to keep you there, but yeah, yeah. It's, it's too interesting for me to not ask, when you say hours and hours at the mural, you made a consistent pilgrimage. You went back. Yeah, because the thing, again. the thing that I liked about it, like in, in you know, Jamal's um, from Caribbean descent, and in Caribbean culture, they do this thing called a nine night, where every day for nine nights, people visit the house and, yeah, you know, share stories, have a drink, have a cry, have a hug, and yeah. so there was that going on. So I was basically living at the house for that those nine nine days, and it was amazing the type of people that were coming through, like uh, Thandi. Um, uh, um, Idris Elba, like uh, Tandy Newton, yeah. and like it was just like it was just amazing. And uh, uh, you know, these short stories are being shared, but then they have uh, his mural, which was painted before mm. he passed away, mm. which is how important he was. Mm. Um, and then you'd go down there, and it would just be hundreds of people at any point of the day 11 o'clock, 2 p.m., 2 a.m. And I would just go down there and just listen to stories about him, you know, people that went to school with him, people that taught him, like, people that had been given, he took them on, like, trips to show them how to make videos and blah, 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 and he just touched so many people. And for me, it was really comforting standing on my own at this thing and hearing all these stories. And I used to, yeah. whenever I got sad at the house, mm. I used to go, well, I'm going to go down to the mural and get some story juice, you know? And um, mm. so I would just be, be there... And um, yeah, and most nights I'd go home at like 2 a.m. and it'd just be a heavy day. Uh, and then in comes the... In comes Lyra. Wake up. You know, there's just, there is a switch that you can flip that you go into dad mode and... You have to. Fun and like, yeah, let's, let, let's do it. Because I, I don't want my daughters ever feeling that I'm like that, you know, especially not for now. Well, also having an activity, like the idea of putting a record on it's such a simple gesture, but it's 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 actually it's so beautiful because you have to make it you have to make a commitment. It's a it's a collaboration. Yeah. So at that age, she may just be interested in the cover or what's exciting. So that's it's usually that. it. But that's the lyric is flick a finger and we'll start a discussion. That's to right. Pick a singer and she she would just walk along. And go, and that one. Yeah, and sometimes it's like sempiternal. Bring me the horizon. You know, it's like <laughs> it's, and for real. Like we put on like. We put on like St. Paterno, we can put on Paranoid Black, Black Sabbath, yeah. or we can put on Nora Jones Come Away With Me, yeah. or Oh. But that morning it was uh, Dusty in Memphis, and it's just, yeah, I kind of, when my daughter was first born, my, you know, I'm, um, I don't really, this sounds weird, but I don't really have music playing in the house. A lot, I'd make music, but I don't know, my house was always mm. quiet, and mm. even when I cooked and stuff like that, it was mm. never, it was never on. I remember my wife saying to me, like, you grew up with music playing the whole time. We need to make sure that music's playing the whole time with our kids because it affects a something. sage yeah. observation. So, um, so that was why I just got into a routine of just every morning I want to put on a different vinyl. Was there music that helped you in the last twelve months that wasn't your own? Or did, was it hard to listen to music when you're grieving? Like, what was uh, your relationship with music? Um, I know we spoke about Fred actually, but Fred's actual life uh, one is about his grief, and I found that incredibly helpful, you know, listening to a song like Me Heavy or yeah. whatever, you know, I found that whole record, I Found You, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I know the whole world is 
falling in love with Fred. But because um, of that, by the way, yeah, because of the truth in his music. Well, and he's like easily one of the most talented musicians on the planet. Hands down, the live show's exceptional, but none of it makes sense unless there's something well, deep to connect it to. Is, it's hard. It is hard. Right, you can't love Underworld unless you really, truly identify that that music's coming somewhere deep for Carl. Totally. He's so good at finding like lines, and that line is just repeats and repeats and repeats, and it just gets in you. As that song, um, the uh, I've been lost for a while, but I'm mm. really trying, you know? Mm. And that just repeats, and yeah. I found myself getting super emotional at, at his show. I know everyone else does. Um, yeah, he's, uh, what I love about Fred, I was saying this earlier, is like, we wrote I Don't Care together, and we wrote Beautiful People together, and we wrote Bad Habits together, and blah, 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 and he, I feel like no one knows the, the joy that he gets in making pop. He's a pop guy. Yeah. He's a pop Cause guy. He's so, Cause he's so good at the other thing, but yeah. You know, when I listen to this album, there's a couple of things that keep cropping up. This idea of, I've used this phrase a few times, distraction by self-destruction. Right. Yeah. Right. I don't want to feel this. I don't want to acknowledge this. So this will... I think I benefited a lot from not... Like, I stopped doing drugs years ago. And I think I benefited a lot from not having that button to push. How I did think, you stop yourself from pushing that button when, if you pushed the button before you were hurt, well, then it was very bright. It was the way that Jamal it. passed away, you know, honestly. That was the, I've spoken about it in the Rolling Stone interview, but I just, like, I stopped pre-kids because I was having kids and I didn't want to be that guy anymore. And, mm. um, and it just compounded it more when Mm. I found that out, you know. And also, like, but I'm not saying I don't. So I'm, I, I drink when I'm sad. Like that is definitely same. a thing, you know. Um, same. I just don't do. I don't drink spirits. I also anymore. drink when I'm happy. Yeah, yeah. But, but I'm, a new, again, I'm, I'm a Kiwi '80s kid, man. I just try to drink. I think it's. I, I, I think it's culture, man. I grew up in a household where you know my my parents like wine and they like beer, and it was never like yeah, never a problem. It's just yeah. that's what they did, and that's how I grew up. And I, yeah, I found myself throughout last year I just you know I don't I I rarely have sober dates and I know that that's um I just like I like ending the day with a glass of wine you know Same. I know that in my mind having I'm very I'm a compartmentalizer and I know that in my mind having switched the switch that goes you do not smoke anymore and you do not do drugs and you do not drink spirits there's a thing there that goes, but you are allowed mm. this, mm. and that sort of makes it okay. I think if you just, if I, I and everyone has their own way of no, dealing I'm, with things, I'm and I'm not saying that like, you know, because I, I have a lot of friends that are completely sober, and I'm, I'm, I feel in a good position that I haven't like switched everything off, but it's like I, I have a problem with my weight. Like I, I put on weight super easily. I can get very, very fat really quickly, but I love, Chocolate, you know? Mm -hmm. So my thing is, you know those little red lint balls? <laughs> I have one of them a day. Well, and that is that's my your thing. Yeah, but but I only a, laugh. You know but, why I laugh? I'm not laughing at your ration at, at your rationing of lint. It's because when I was DJ touring, which you remember I did mm -hmm. for ten years and I lived in the UK, they were always on my rider. So after seven <laughs> years of eating nothing but lint balls, I was like, I never want to see a red <laughs> fucking lint ball again in my life. Yeah, I'm like that with a uh, pickled onion monster munch that used to be on <laughs> on on my rider. But but like that's I that's think hilarious. that. I, throughout my life, I've tried to learn moderation, and um, yeah, my moderation is 
I might have a glass of wine every day, but I'm not going to smash a bottle of vodka, which is what I used to do. I used to just binge drink every tequila, vodka, fucking brandy, like, like anything. Yeah, I felt like it was the best kept secret for everyone outside of people who knew you, which was that you were a fucking monster. Like, yeah. you would, you'd get hammered. I remember I interviewed you. The first interview we ever did at, at Apple was at Beats, what was called Beats One Studios. Oh my God, you'd been up for three days. And then yeah. you went and did the Hollywood Bowl that night. And it was and fucking incredible. And then I stayed up again all night again. And then I remember going to sing with the Stones the next day. Yeah. And I was like, grey, like, oh my God, I'm like, I'm fucking hanging. And I remember afterwards, Keith Richards was just like, we're all going out for a drink tonight, man. Do you want to come? And I was like, I can't. I can't. Did you turn down Keith I Richards? Did, yeah, because I would, I'd, hit, I'd hit it too hard. He'd probably just be like, fucking amateur. But um, the, yeah. I think he's stopped now, you know. I think even he reached yeah. the level. I'm pretty sure he's at least on the on the liquor. Yeah, it's probably good. Yeah, I rem- mate, I remember that interview so well because I remember being in a hotel room with mm. two of the people that worked on my tour, and it being like ten thirty, and I was like, "Fuck, I got Zane Lemon's interview." I remember you yeah. gave me a great gift that day. You won't ever remember it. We we're having a photo. A lot of what Ed says, which is really interesting, is always under his breath, mainly during like really high stress situations, like photo shoots. Mm. He'll whisper things at you. He'll, he'll go. By the way, mate, da, 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 and no one else can hear it. It's like a beautiful trait of yours. You put your arm around me for a photo. You went, by the way, I'm probably not going to be able to give you my first song. I know it's the first one I won't be able to give you for like, you know, hottest record. But I've kind of got to stay with the BBC on this one. But you know, I love you, man. It's all good. And I was like, fuck. And I remember just thinking like, you know, and I look back on that time and I was so grateful for that because you just broke the spell. You like, that was a moment where you just went, it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. All this shit you're hung up on. It doesn't matter. I still love you. We're still having a great fucking time. It, it'll mean nothing to you, but I needed that at that time. I was so well, obsessed. Thanks, man. I love that I, you know, that the, not to go into, but if we're, if we're sharing and, and, and being honest, like the, the whole promo around this album has been like less is, less is more and don't do, mm. you know, I did a sit down Rolling Stone thing, but there was no plan to do a sit down interview. Mm. And I was, I just said, I was like, I've done Zay on every single album mm. since I started. And I just feel weird not honoring that and talking about it. I really it, respect you know? that and I really appreciate that. And But this is the best conversation I've had in ages. You know, this is fucking great. The, the thing that I want to like hammer home yeah. is like, cause some subjects here, people tell me not to talk about, you know, whether it's this or this or this. Feel as artists, you have to be honest. Like I am who I am, and I, I'm definitely not a perfect human being, and I do, I do make mistakes. But like the the album that I've made is about being honest, and I feel like if there's there's probably stuff in this interview that's going to be sensationalised and make headlines. I hope and not. Red or wh- whatever it I is. I hope it drives like a, people to the album. Yeah, but even then, like I just I hope people just see me as a human being. Like and not mm, a not a not a st- statistic crazed pop monster. Like that uh, is the biggest thing that you've said in this whole conversation, mm. in my opinion, because we started on that. We started on math, right? Yeah. If you get into the math of Ed Sheeran, it's beyond comprehension. But I think that I mean that, that, I think that was the crux of like the lawsuit with like Shape of Year. I remember just sitting and I was in the courtroom. The first day Shane died, 10 days before Jamal had died, 10 days before that, I've been told Cherry had this tumor, she's pregnant, I'm like, blah, 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 and I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there, and everyone on the other side are kind of looking at me being like, like I'm this entity of- Billions of, of streams like, and da, da, Yeah, da, da. and like not 
you know, and they would get up and talk about like their personal struggles. And I'm there being like, this is like literally the worst month of my life. And I just have to zip and just like, nothing's wrong and, and blah, 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 blah. And I, in that moment, wasn't viewed as a human being, you know, and I'm, everyone expects me to view them. And, and I do, like, I understand like their feelings and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I, I just, I, I, I am a human. The reason I've cried during the interview is like, this is real life for me this is uh stuff that i'm still going through i'm still processing and wow. um i feel like the re this record is definitely the most human that i've been i, I hate it when artists go um it's my most personal record yet because i feel like each record i put out is super personal yeah it's a, but this the is moment. just more uncomfortable i think it's my most uncomfortable record in a weird way by sh sharing this side of yourself for the first time and being so open do you feel actually more invisible in a strange way because I don't know yet because I've kind of put put my head above the parapet a little bit with it but more more in the sense that like you've really just stood in a line with all of us <laughs> yeah the thing that it's quite freeing is like usually if we did an interview there'd be things that I'd be like I'm not going to talk about that because that will be sensationalized and go to a thing and there's something very freeing about being like mm. yeah this is what's fucking going on and like I don't care how people take it. Like, this is, this is how I feel, this is what's happened, this is what's happened in my past, and there's something very freeing about just being honest, and what's the worst thing that can happen? Like, this is the thing, like, even with, even with the lawsuit stuff, when people are like, don't talk about it, don't, don't talk about it, I'm like, why? Like, what do you think my opinion is? This is my opinion, yeah. obviously, I'm yeah. fucking fighting it. Yeah. Or like, my opinion on like, you know, alcohol abuse or drug abuse or like depression or stuff like this is just, this is it. This is it. This is how I feel. And like, I, I might not feel like that in five years time and things change, but like, this is it now. And I think artists were expected to be these, as you said, like the sheen and this perfect thing and never have struggled. Why would you ever have struggles? You're not a human being. Like, yeah. it's like, it's a thing that's expected. And it's a thing that I've played into over the last 13 years of my career of just being like, keep calm and shut up and just like get on stage, sing the songs and- Be grateful for the success you have and stop- Totally, yeah, and, yeah. and mate, I am. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love, I love getting on stage and, and singing songs. But with this album, it is, it's what I've gone through and I want people to listen to it basically. And I hope they do. Do you know what, when people ask me like, oh man, you know, do you still love doing it? Do you still love talking to artists? And do you still love it? This is why I do it, bro. You know, we must have done 10 interviews, 11, maybe more interviews over the years because we'll talk a couple of times on albums and stuff. To get to a place like this, for, for a start, for us to still both be here and alive, mm. and to be able to have a conversation like this and just go deeper, that's why I fucking do it. Totally. Well, this is definitely like, it's definitely the best interview we've done, but I, yeah, I feel, um, I've, yeah, I'm, as I'm getting older, I'm getting less uncomfortable just being comfortable in my own skin, I guess, and not afraid what people think. Oh man, I'm always here. Thank you. Catching up with Ed Sheeran once again around his brand new album called Subtract, which is available to listen to in full on Apple Music. Thanks again for checking in on the interview series. We're back next week with Lauren Daigle.